0: Previously, on Disappeared in the Desert.
1: My little girl who's six years old,
0: I believe she was abducted from our house.
1: Not only does a hit home get this in our community, but when it's somebody that you know personally.
0: We don't want the focus to be taken off you of
1: You know, dealing with her loss is a very hard thing for me because that was one of the closest people to me.
0: Christopher Matthew Clements was indicted on multiple felony charges. It's gonna be hard knowing that he took my daughter's last breath and he's standing right there in front of us, you know, that's the hard thing. Christopher Clements appeared in the investigation of Isabel Sellis' disappearance not once, but twice before having his fiance contact the FBI. Two people went to Sergio Sellis' home, acting like they were interested in the red Acura. This was in 2011. What, what red Acura? Yeah, from what we from what we were told, they said, yeah, that's him. There's there was a red Acura parked outside.
1: Given the fact, the mere fact, that you had knowledge of where the body was six months after, and so for the last four and a half years, you haven't said anything, and am I wrong in making an assumption that you were one of the two guys that went by the house? Dude, wasn't it, were you one of the two guys that went by to look at the car, what makes you think that? Let me just ask a question? question. Just based on our conversations, I thought maybe you were. You're listening to a KOLD News 13 original podcast. I'm Bud Foster.
0: And I'm Shaylee Sanders. This is Disappeared in the Desert.
1: For several weeks, we've told you about all the twists and the turns of the investigation into the deaths of six-year-old Isabel Salas and 13-year-old Maribel Gonzalez. You've learned about the memories the girls leave behind to their families and to their loved ones and how investigators ultimately found their suspect. As the Pima County Attorney's Office and Christopher Clement's legal team prepare for not one but for two trials, we'll break down all of the developments of the cases in the courtroom during the last three years. First, a closer look at the grand jury that approved the 22 charges against Christopher Clements. According to the records we accessed at the Pima County Superior Court, nine grand jurors were present on September 14, 2018. In a later court document, we learned that the state presented 132 PowerPoint slides to accompany the testimony by Tucson Police Detective Josh Cheek and Pima County Sheriff's Detective Miguel Flores. The grand jury ruled to indict Christopher Clements for the murders of Isabel Salas and Maribel Gonzalez and other crimes. The indictment remained in secret until the apprehension of Christopher Clements. He was formally arrested for these new charges at 5.35 p.m. at the Maricopa County Jail that night. On September 24, 2018, Christopher Matthew Clements was arraigned in the Pima County Superior Court for the charges against him. The judge set a $2 million all-cash bond in order to be released after he pleaded not guilty.
0: The state of Arizona filed a notice of intent to seek the death penalty against Christopher Clements on February 8, 2019. Eleven days later, in response, a licensed psychologist was appointed to prescreen Christopher Clements' IQ and competency. Under the order, the psychologist was to determine if reasonable grounds existed to conduct another exam, to determine if Clements was competent to stand trial, and if he was sane at the time he allegedly committed the crime. But Clements filed an objection to the pre-screen. That means the court canceled those scheduled tests, but planned to move forward with an evaluation on if Clements was sane at the time of the offenses, which he was required by the court to cooperate with the mental health expert was required to send a report to the court on his determination of the probable mental condition of Clements at the time of the alleged crimes. If it was determined he probably suffered from a mental disease or defect at that time, the relation of that disease or defect to the alleged crimes would be needed. Christopher Clements' attorneys made a motion for a redetermination of probable cause on some of the charges against him, specifically 1-5, through five, which include the first-degree murder charges and kidnapping charges for Isabel and Maribel. These documents give us an inside look at the evidence the prosecution claims to have against Clements and his response to it. From Clements reportedly inquiring about the Celis' Acura, internet search history, and the items believed to be Isabel's found in the backyard of his former home, we've gone through a lot of evidence throughout this podcast series, but we're learning some new information. First, the Pima County attorney laid out the signs of an invasion of the cellless home on the morning of April 21st, 2012. We know Isabel's window was found open and the window screen was bent, removed, and found on the ground. But we also learned stuffed animals inside Isabel's bedroom window were knocked onto the floor. The blood found on the floor between the bed and the window was indeed Isabel's. According to the Pima County attorney, the shoe impressions found on the electrical box in the alley behind the Sellers' home were impressions consistent with a Nike T light model sneaker. No one in the Cellas home reportedly wore those shoes. Investigators said they found numerous photos of Clements wearing Nike sneakers on his digital storage devices and photos of men's Nike sneakers in his home. In episode 5, we broke down Clement's negotiations with FBI special agents on a deal to lead them to the remains of Isabel Sellis. In exchange for burglary charges dropped, and his car and forfeiture returned. In court documents, we learned investigators looked into Clement's claims about Sergio Sellis being connected to a pawn shop run by Russians not far from his house. They discovered 21 gold coins were indeed stolen from a woman's home two months before Isabel's abduction and death, and believe Clements committed the burglary. Surveillance video allegedly showed Clements entering the pawn shop after hours and handing over merchandise to the owner and getting paid in cash. According to the Pima County Attorney's Office, there was no sign of Sergio Cellis in the video, no shred of evidence connecting him to the burglary of the gold coins or his daughter's abduction. The gold coins were found in a safe during a search warrant. That's why burglary is included in some of the 22 charges against Clements.
1: Prosecutors argue Clements planned his burglaries. Phone records from one of his cell phones in February 2012 showed he called the home where the gold coins were reportedly stolen 21 times between February 18th and 19th. The homeowner was not home at the time of the calls. Prosecutors say Clements made similar calls to the Sellers' home before Isabel's abduction, dating as far back as October 2011. They also claimed the home where the coins were stolen from and the Sellers' home both had Acuras visible outside, proving Clements would drive around town looking for Acuras and targeted two homes with Acuras parked outside. The Pima County Attorney's Office also argues that Clement's cell phones provided details on his location around the time of Isabel Salas and Maribel Gonzalez's disappearances. The Pima County Attorney's Office claims analysis on the cell tower hits showed he was moving around Tucson on the night of April 20, 2012 and the early morning hours of April twenty first, the day Isabel was discovered missing. At approximately 9.20 on the morning of April 21st, the cell phone hit off of a cell tower northwest of Tucson near Interstate 10. In less than an hour, it also hit a tower on Trico Road in Marana. You'll remember that was the road where Cellus remains were found years later. For the phone Clements used in 2014, prosecutors say cell tower hits showed on the night of June 3, 2014, the night Maribel Gonzalez was last seen alive, leaving her home near Broadway and Wilmont. Clements' phone went from hitting off a tower in the area of his home near Craycroft and Pima to hitting a series of towers moving westbound on Interstate 10 away from Tucson. On June 4, 2014, at 1234 a.m., Clements' cell phone hit off the tower at Trico Road in Marana. The Pima County Attorney's Office said the day after Isabel's abduction and murder, Clements got a car wash and changed his cell phone number. Prosecutors also dive deeper into the photos found on Clements Electronics. We previously told you police documents mention photographs of young girls in sexual manners, but this one court document mentions a specific photo we do not yet know about. The document says... On a Toshiba laptop taken from Clements' residence at 5826 East Elita, there was a thumbnail image recovered from an unallocated space on one of the devices that appeared to be a selfie image of a male who appears to be Clements in the front seat of a vehicle and a young girl lying down in the back seat. The young girl bears a striking resemblance to Isabel Salas. An investigators showed this image to Sergio and Rebecca Salas. Rebecca Sellers says she thought the girl in the image looked like Isabel, but she couldn't be sure because the quality of the image was so poor. We have that photo, if you would like to see it, it's posted on our website, KOLD.com. On April 26, 2019,
0: Christopher Clement's attorneys filed their reply to the state's response the defense poked holes in the state's claim that it's Clements' footprints on the electrical box in the alley. Mentioning a Tucson police officer documented in the investigation, the prints appeared to be from a Wolverine brand work boot or a similar type shoe. As for the phone calls, the state claims Clements made to a home later burglarized and the Sellers home. His lawyers argue there are no similarities between those calls, and Clements did not have a cell phone at the time of the burglary because he was under federal supervision. Their response also says in the alleged Celis burglary, there was no pattern of unanswered calls near the time of the incident, and the residence was fully occupied by five family members and four dogs. There was no ruse or trick utilized to get the residents out of the home. Defense attorneys accused the state of misleading the grand jury about the drops of blood on the floor in Isabel's bedroom by withholding evidence that the blood drops were probably there before her disappearance and had nothing to do with her kidnapping. Their response also states the state's grand jury presentation was tightly choreographed to keep the focus solely on Mr. Clements while dancing around and withholding the facts and circumstances that implicated Mr. Sellis. The state's accused misleading of the grand jury over that selfie of Clements in his car with what appears to be a child lying in the back. Defense attorneys said Clements was never questioned by investigators about the photo, and Mr. and Mrs. Sellis couldn't identify Isabel as the child shown in the photo, but still presented it to the grand jurors. Clements claimed it was his son in the photo. In the response to Clements, the Pima County Attorney's Office states when Melissa, Christopher's fiancé, was interviewed, they showed her the photo, and she reportedly started shaking. She did not identify the child as her own. PCAO argues the image does not depict a -a one-and-a-half-year-old blonde-haired child. This is a dark-haired child, consistent with a young female. In fact, the attorney's office response says the face is similar to Isabel Sellis. And it should be noted that Isabel Sellis' mother braided her hair after her bath on her last night alive, which would be consistent with the appearance of the hair in the carved photo, the texture of hair braided while wet the night before. The state claims, in its response, Clements searched the blame Sergio theories on his computers and media storage devices and used those arguments while talking to special agents and in his response. But again, the Pima County attorney reiterates, the trouble with these theories is that there is no evidence supporting them. The state agrees Clements routinely cleans his car, but the $110 car wash after Isabel's abduction was still out of character compared to his Chase Bank records. It shows six car washes between February 28th and June 4th, 2012. Most of those washes range from as low as $10 to as high as $35, except for one on Saturday, April 21st, 2012. That's when bank records show Clements paid for a $110 car wash.
1: In October 2020, Clements' lawyers filed a motion to separate the 22 charges into separate trials. Their main arguments were that the charges cover several different cases with different evidence. In the filing, we also learned that Clements wanted to testify in the trial of Isabel Salas' death, but not in the trial of Maribel Gonzalez's death. Having the trial separate would mean he could not be cross-examined about Maribel Gonzalez during the Isabel Salas trial. Clements also wants to testify against the child pornography charges to say he did not download the alleged images, did not distribute, transfer, or knowingly possess them. The court agreed to the motion, which is now why Christopher Clements will have two trials. The state files a motion in November 2020 to admit the conversation Clements had with FBI agents while negotiating a deal to lead them to Isabel Salas' remains as voluntary. Despite opposition from Clements, the court ruled there is no factual or legal basis that would prohibit the use of the defendant's statement at trial. In April 2021, Clements argued for information gathered during a live tracking of him by the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office should not be allowed at the trial because it was for a separate case. But the court finds the live tracking of a phone for 14 hours was not an unreasonable search and that the Pima County detectives had an independent source for the search warrants and would have inevitably discovered the devices. That same month the new Pima County attorney Laura Conover withdrew the notice of intent to seek the death penalty against Clements. Due to the publicity of the case, Clements attorney filed a question to change the venue of the trial. The defense argued that publicity deprives Clements of a fair trial. Ultimately, the court denied that request. We now know what evidence can be used in the upcoming trials based on a ruling by the court this past December. The court made the determination to allow the state to present relevant evidence that is not unfairly prejudicial to Clements, which means any reference to or mention of the name of Isabel Salas by the state at the trial for the murder of Maribel Gonzalez is precluded. Here's the evidence allowed in the Maribel Gonzalez trial and the court's reasoning why. All child erotica, because they indicated fixation with mostly young Hispanic females with an apparent age range of under 10 years of age through the early teenage years, and they were downloaded around the time of Maribel's disappearance. The audio, video, and transcripts of Clement's conversations with the FBI are only allowed in Mirabelle's trial if Christopher Clements testifies, which he said he plans to do. The letters Clements sent to his fiancée will not be allowed entirely. Redacted portions are allowed, but both sides need to agree on which portions the state can use or else the court will have to make that determination.
0: During the Maribel trial, witnesses are also limited to how they testify to specifically avoid mentioning Isabel Salas. In the ruling, the court says Detective Miguel Flores may testify that he learned that the defendant had provided information to another law enforcement agency on a chase unrelated to the Maribel Gonzalez homicide in which he, the defendant, referenced a location in the desert or a landmark consisting of a large tree with a pile of tires that stood out in the defendant's memory. The detective may then explain that the tree and the tire landmark was where the remains of Maribel Gonzalez were found, and it made the defendant a focus of his investigation for the first time. All child pornography is off-limits in the Isabel Celis and Maribel Gonzalez trials, only allowed in a separate trial specifically for the child pornography charges. The court ruled that evidence is irrelevant to the homicides and tends to prove the bad character of the defendant, possibly swaying the jurors. The search history on Clement's electronic devices is also limited between the trials. Searches related to Maribel can be admitted in her trial, and the searches about Isabel Sellis can be used in that trial. Cell phone information, like the location information, can only be used for the respective murder trials, meaning Clement's cell phone location when Maribel went missing can only be used in that trial, and the information around Isabel Sellis' disappearance and death can only be used for that murder trial. Christopher Clements has cycled through several different counsels throughout the years. There were efforts to change the judge in the case. In June 2021, Clements made a motion for change of judge for cause because of a letter Judge Deborah Bernini wrote to a local Tucson newspaper. In the letter, she defends a retired deputy county attorney after the new county attorney did not keep him on her staff. The motion to change the judge was denied.
1: This was our last episode of Disappeared in the Desert scheduled until Christopher Clemens' trial began. The trial of Maribel Gonzalez was scheduled for January 11, 2022, and then Isabel Sellis for February twenty second But just a few weeks ago, they were rescheduled. Now, the trial of Maribel Gonzalez's death is scheduled to start April 19, 2022. It could last up to 12 days. For Isabel Salas' death, the trial is now scheduled for May 24, 2022, and could last for 14 days. When those trials take place, we're planning to follow the trial closely for you, with weekly updates from inside the courtroom from juror selection to verdict. In the meantime, there are still parts of the case we are waiting for from public records requests. Any new developments on the case, information we obtain, or interviews we conduct, we will share that with you as bonus episodes. Disappeared in the Desert is a KOLD News 13 original podcast hosted by Shaley Sanders and Bud Foster. Special thanks to our editor, Jesse Zoller, writer and executive producer, Colleen Menadier, digital content producer, Mia Cortright, and executive producer of Daily Content, Michael Cooper. For more information about this case, visit KOLD.com.